This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Grimm walks us through Colossians chapter 3, where Paul shows us that new life in Christ also requires us to put to death our earthly desires. Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt Grimm, a pastor here at Cornerstone Church. I'm with Thad Keenel. Hey, Pastor. It's good to be back. Yeah. We are here at our Planted Podcast, and we are continuing our way through Season 2, the Book of Colossians. And Just uh, kind of creeping through it, yeah. but we're digging deep, right? We are. Yes. And, and one of the goals of this is not just to study Colossians, but it's also to improve our Bible study skills. We've been talking about... Uh, you know, how to approach study and so forth. And um, I think the last few times we've been talking about remembering what's come, gone before, making sure we're continuing to, to look at the context of what's been happening and, and what are those themes that have been coming up as, as we, they keep coming up as Paul progresses through his letter. And today, one of the things I wanted to look at, too, is just how Paul, throughout the letter, has been using um, the... He's been using contrast to bring out truth and to show that our life in Christ is is kind of been this switch of allegiance, right? When when we put our faith in Christ, we have we have are are no longer under the the, the earthly realm, the realm of death, uh, the the kingdom of of uh, darkness, the kingdom of sin and evil. But we've been transferred, and actually, he prays this in 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 chapter one. In verse 13, that as we would be strengthened with all power and might, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light, he says, who he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Right. Sounds like a past tense deal for us. I mean, it's a reality for us. It is a reality. Yeah, that, that is a that is a, a picture of what how we should consider our life right now. And, and then throughout the rest of the... The book, the, the letter, we see that you know that this is talked in terms of reconciliation, right? Um, we no longer have we reconciled our body of flesh, and, and and brought us in the homely and blameless in Him. At, at the end of uh, verse twenty-two and twenty-three, we see the um, the contrast of the the being of the picture of baptism, right? Being baptized, being into our, His death, and being raised to life. Right, we we see that as well, uh, and 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 so and bringing us all in, you know, here to chapter three, which we talked about last last time in the first um, four verses. This whole idea of being raised with Christ, seated with Him in the heavenly realms, that our minds are to be set on things above, not on things of earth. And we talked about how earth is not just the, talking about the material world; it's it's the orientation of this world that is corrupted and fallen by sin because of mankind, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not like this material world that God created is bad. It's that it is being governed and dominated by fallen man and, and the, the fallen spiritual realm as well. We, we've talked about the those uh, powers and authorities that are ruling over the nations and so forth. And so all that is the context in which earth is being 
dominated because we were to have dominion over it. Maybe right. it was supposed to, but but it's it's turned it towards towards evil. It's set it apart from God. And it's actually in Romans eight talks about the fact that it is longing for the day that that mankind will once again rule it the right way. That God will set all things. So right. would you say that? When we're dealing with the things of the, this earth, let's just say, let's just talk about some precious metals, gold, silver, right. or, or cash, right? No, none of those things have inherent evil to them, right. but because of the fall, our lust for possessions is is yeah. the issue, right? right? So it has it has everything to do with man's fallen state right. here that, that's corrupted things that are to be intended right. for good use, and we turn it bad, just like... Yeah, our, left pers- our lust for possessions, our lust for power, um, our, the, we'll, we'll look at some of these things, these, some of these words that will describe some of this um, in, in Paul gets into, but I think that's what it is, where sin, one way we to describe sin is it takes the good things of God and turns it toward the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Instead of keeping it in its proper use and direction that God established at the beginning, when he divide, when He brought order to a chaotic world in, in the worldview of the ancient Near Easterns in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, to, to give life and being and is to give something meaning and purpose, um, is to bring it into existence, is that you know your place and your purpose and that's where you have your existence. And so he's doing that in Genesis 1. He's, he's creating three realms, right? The, the heavenly realm, the realm of the sea, the, the earth. He's, he's separating them and then he's, and he's populating them with um, beings that are going to um, bring order into that, right? And ultimately, in all of it, from the, within the earthly realm is, is mankind to be, bear his image and, and to have dominion, be fruitful and multiply, and, and to rule over these things. So that's really interesting. So as we look at the created order mm-hmm. um, after the fall, man continues to corrupt that order, right? Yes. So what God has established uh, in relations between people and between the creation, the animal life, or whatever, uh, we see how mankind can twist that. And these are the things that God says, nope, that's the original order that I intended for. This is anything that goes against that is sin. And so when, if we want to argue, well, but I feel better when I'm doing these other things, you know, that makes me feel good for a season anyway. Right. Right. Um, That just shows that that we've t- we've taken what God has established right. as perfect and good, and if have, have corrupted it. Yeah, and it, 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 it's influenced. We see the power of man to influence in that way in our rebellion. So our rebellion is it isn't just no, it's it is an affront pri- first and foremost and primarily an affront to God, but it also has consequences. That consequences affects the material physical world He created, which He decided in His wisdom to enter into a partnership with us to give us dominion and to allow us to rule and govern in, in, as his representatives. And when we don't do that, when we turn that good gift toward ourselves or towards in our own lustful passions and things like that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. it brings decreation, you might say, into the earth. All right. And mm-hmm. with that, the, and, and we see the punishment of that is death. Um, you know, And ultimately, what we're doing is we're bringing... You know, maybe it's by God's providence and goodness 
Um, it's it's a slow death, <laughs> right? But it ultimately, that and that's what that realm is. And so, just to, I think it's good to just I'll read to bring enter into the discussion. Okay. Um, Romans eight verses eighteen and following. It says Paul here is talking about the new life, the life in the spirit, the the uh, in in Romans eight and, and and what it means for us to be children of God and so forth. And so and in that he he says. That part of this of sharing the inheritance is to share in the sufferings of Christ. But it's interesting that when that he he from that it makes him think about the, the present the state of present creation as well. So he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, I think last time we've talked a little bit in our Colossians study about the transition between the two ages, the life that was, and that's this whole comparison thing, and the life to come, right? That we've been, there's this transfer that's been made. You know, the, the, the baptism is a picture of that, putting to death and then being raised to new life. We're seated with Christ, right? And, but, but even with that, in this present world, we have these sufferings. And so that's the glory that is to come is the fullness of that age where, um, but, but it's not yet here. And in the midst of not yet here, he says in verse 19, that for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And so the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And so we see there that the... Um, Freedom of creation is tied to the liberation of the children of God, right? Because we're ruling improperly. When we're restored to that fullness and we rule as we should, when we exercise the, the full love and, and uh, wisdom of God in the exercising of our position within creation, creation itself is going to be set mm, free yeah. from that, right? right? And that's part of the new creation, the new heavens and new earth. But that's all wrapped up in this. And so I bring this up because that should be our mentality when you think of earthly. It's not that physical creation is bad. It's what it's been subjected to. Okay. It's the earthly realm of mankind that and we would say, too, it's not just mankind subjected it, but also the spirit, the fallen spiritual realm has also entered into this, right? Came down, crossed that barrier, came into the earthly realm, and, and brought that corruption with it. And we see that expressed in, in the Tower of Babel, um, where mankind's trying to reach God, but we also see it in the table of nations. Before that is divided up, and you have the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, where <laughs> where the nations then become the inheritance of the sons of the, the sons of God. There, and being the spiritual realm, the small g gods are coming in, and so you have this mix of the the spiritual influence, these principalities, powers, and authorities that that Paul talks about in Colossians and Ephesians and so forth mixed with the human rebellion, and together they're bringing upon creation this suffering that is taking place. Um, and so the earthly, therefore, when we think of the earthly as it's manifests itself within mankind, don't think it's just because I'm in a physical form, right, uh, at which some Greek thought would starts going that direction, and, and other religions can too, that there's this strong spiritual physical con- distinction we shouldn't think that. We should think of the earthly realm as that sinful brokenness that's being that is now ruling in in the earthly realm. As right? I as I read and listen to you on this portion of mm-hmm. Romans eight, one of the things that's popping out at me mm-hmm. is the redemption of our bodies. As we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies, mm-hmm. and 
what has been spoken of uh, through Romans and through a great portion of what we've been handling here in Colossians is that the spirit of man, as he's called by Christ, is renewed. Yes. And so we have we have redemption in the spirit now. That's the reality right. that we have, but our flesh has yet to be redeemed. That's what, something that we're looking forward to yeah. in the resurrection, the physical right. resurrection at right. the end of time, right? So... Uh, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and we see mm-hmm. Adam and Eve in their in their pure state, right? Um, if we if we take what's combined here, what we've been talking about, they were pure spiritually and in their physical pureness, right? Yeah. They're, they 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 lived in a state of of moral purity, right? Which in, and and they were in they were put in a Innocence, place. Sir. They were innocent, and they were put in a place that allowed them to dwell with God, and, and therefore they could eat the tree of life, right? So they they could be in His presence. They could have that life sustained, um, and 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 have no barrier between them and God. Okay. Right? So when sin entered in, both portions that we're talking about, we don't want to talk about the duality of nature of man, do we? I don't think that's the right way to put that. Christ has dual nature of God and man. But man, yeah. how do you separate spirit and flesh? And that so we just yeah, call it spirit I, and flesh. I, well, there's, but well, you can, but there's also there's many words in in the in the scriptures. Yeah, in the, the state New, of the soul, right? So, right. So you have you have the soul, you have the mind, mm-hmm. you have the heart. Right. There's a lot of words used to describe the non physical part of us. Okay. So for the sake of this argument, yeah. we, we we know that when because just keeping with. The new man being mm-hmm. renewed in spirit, but right. but waiting for the flesh. At the fall of Adam and Eve, they both were corrupted physically because they were destined to die. Then they began dying physically at that time, and also they died immediately spiritually, mm-hmm. right? And through through Adam and Eve, Adam as our federal headship, yeah. right? He passed down his genealogy, the sin gene. Basically, we all mankind, <laughs> all mankind has has sin. Right. Yeah, I don't know if it's a physical gene, but it's definitely a spiritual condition. A spiritual yeah, condition, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. But but in a sense, it's kind of physical because all mankind dies, right? So we're not just we're not alive physically and dead spiritually. It's both destined to die in the flesh as well. So you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. But I think part of it is is the this is a little bit of the way I think of it, and I don't know that if it's completely correct. But what enabled them to to have their ongoing physical life was being in the presence of God and being able to eat from the tree of life. Okay. Right. There's a sense. And when that taken, that's taken away, um, then the, okay. the body, the body, you will begin to, you know, decay and die and all that stuff. All right. Potentially. We'll talk, I don't know. That's good it's enough. Just well, a, and, and I, and I won't yeah. bring genealogy into it, I guess right now, <laughs> but, but still we have, we are fallen in Adam. Yes. We can say that. Okay. So we're falling right. in Adam and in our in our state our flesh is doomed to die and our spirit um because of how we're related to Adam and also yeah. our own sin is corrupted and we're spiritually dead right. up into a point that something happens with with right. in the soul of man which is the rebirth of man, the regener yeah. the regeneration, right? right? So that's the that's the reality of for those of us who believe, who are in Christ, right. are in union with Christ, we're alive spiritually, right? Yes. But yet, but yet our flesh 
still is awaiting right. that redemption, that final redemption at the yes. resurrection. Right. And so that's the internal battle that we have within ourselves is that yeah. I, I want to please God. I want to, I want to, I want to live right. life in the spirit following right. his righteousness, but I'm always at a battle with my right. own mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of what, you know, later in Romans 12, he talks about having our not minds renewed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit what Paul's talking about here in Colossians, that there is, that the flesh itself, because of the life of the Spirit, we've been more, I think that we can put off the fleshly nature, the old man, but still we still exist in the flesh, that we can renew it through the power of the Spirit, in in essence. And so... Um, so I think it's a little bit what we're going to be talking about today as we as we read this right. passage in Colossians that there is a a um, you know if we think physiologically and I'm I'm not a, a neuroscientist or a neurosurgeon but if you think about the brain I have heard that you know we have these neuro pathways mm-hmm. right and you can train we we can create good habits or bad habits right right and and, and so if you have all these bad habits you can have some very strong neuropathways or grooves in your brain or whatever, if you want to put it that way, that have been developed over the years. And, and, and you can, man in his efforts can work to reestablish those. Right. Which right. is like you said, from the Romans 12, you know, the renewing right. of the mind. But I would say as a Christian, I have more hope to be able to change those patterns because I have the power of the spirit, right, to help me, that I'm not just relying on my own self-discipline to do it. Right. Not that I'm uninvolved, but I now, I have faith in the power of the Spirit and by Christ to to actually do some, you know, some of those. But I, but I think even beyond this, sometimes, but God even can supernaturally just automatically do it if he cho- so chooses, right. you know. Right, um, But he calls us to focus on on his word, right? If, if, yes. we, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, which right. means when our mind is set on the things above— we're not going yeah. to fulfill the things of the flesh. So it's always when we kind of turn our eyes away from them momentarily that, you know. We're, right. And we're, that's what we talked about last week in the yeah. last few weeks. That that's why in all these things in Colossians, as, as we have this comparison and contrast, the center is always Jesus. The answer is Jesus. He's the all in all. He's the one. If we if we try to, to, to look to some other kind of wisdom or even just religion itself, you can even turn the Christian quotes religion into just a religion that is not faith-based in Christ. It's just about doing good moral things the Bible teaches, right? right? Um, that in and of itself doesn't produce life. Only Christ produces life, and it's by his Spirit that we do this. So that that's a great lead-in to these verses. And so let's go ahead and read Colossians 3. I'm going I'm to read 5 through 17. He says, Put to death, therefore, that which is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. 
And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a lot. Mm. Um, we're going to see if we can get through. But how about you just um, pray for us quickly as we start discussing these verses. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter from Paul to this church. And Lord, as part of the church, we are to take these words and use them for our instruction that we might grow in the righteousness of to where you've called us, that we might grow in the riches of your knowledge according to the spirit that leads us. We ask you to direct Pastor Matt and myself as we discuss these things, that you might be glorified in all things. In your name, amen. Yeah. So we have here verse 5, put to death. Um, in verse 6, uh, put them away. Uh and then in verse 12, put on then. Uh, and then again in verse 14, above all else, put on. So we have this contrast of putting these to death or taking them off. If you think about just clothes, right? We're taking off these old filthy rags that are, that are sinful, and we're putting on new clothes mm. in Christ, which we would say the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're taking off the, the, the fruitless deeds of the flesh, putting on the fruit of the Spirit, that's the, con that's the comparison and contrast. That's the imagery that we're being given from Paul. And, and in, in both cases, it's still rooted in what we talked about last week in verses 1 to 4. It's because Christ is our life. It's because we've been raised with him, right? We exist. Uh, our identity is, is in our union with him. We, we see ourselves as a transfer of, of uh, ownership. We're no longer under the influence of, of death, sin, and evil, of that spiritual reality, of that. Right? And so, so, you know, you were talking about being spiritually dead, and, and, and we're spiritually dead to God. We're not alive to him, but there's a sense in which we're still spiritually alive to the powers of darkness. Right, right, right. You know, and so that, but that it, all, it all depends on who's. Made. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it well, all depends fine. on whose child you are. Exactly. Right. So, which and, well, you and I would agree that in Book of Revelation, those are the two marks. They are right. Yeah. You have the mark of the beast. You know that that anyone who's not in Christ has, and then when we become to Christ, we get that mark removed, and we get the new mark of Christ. Right. right? So let me just explain that for one second, because when you say the mark of the beast, everybody's <laughs> eyes roll yeah. back in their heads, and and you think about you know movies and stuff. But according to the scriptures, the the mark that is given to man is. In regard, I always see it as in regard to being a slave. Yes. Right. So in the in the Old Testament days, and even you know, if we just go back to the Civil War period, right. it was often that property ownership they were marked somehow, right. they were branded, right? Yeah. And so sticking with that language in a spiritual sense, we were slaves to sin as we were children of Satan because our yeah. hearts were lustful, right? But for those of us who are in Christ. He redeemed us, which means right. that he bought us yeah. by the by the price of his blood, exactly. and now we've become right. slaves of God. Now that that can have a stigma to it, but that that shouldn't be right. right because who is our master? It's Christ Almighty who who loved us, and not only that, 
he's adopted us. We are his children, yeah. right? So right. you follow after your your master, right? Exactly. And so when we call and somebody we have the those Lord, benevolent, loving, right? You know, master who, who wants the best for us, right. right? So that mark. It's a matter of right. trans, but but our minds have to be changed on what we think the best for us is, right? Um, just because I have a desire for something doesn't mean it's a good desire, right? You know, and so what's that needs to be put in light of the loving master and see, no, this is what true flourishing, true life is found in my ways, right? Exactly. And then just to close up what I was discussing, Mm -hmm. as far as the mark of the beast or the mark of God, what you you will read, you won't really see the mark of God, but you'll see the seal of God or or sealed by the Holy Spirit. Same same imagery, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So... So when it comes to these things, if I've, if I've been transferred, if I'm new, if I'm born again, right, then why do I still, why do I have to do anything? You know, why do I, is, is, does God not complete something? I mean, why do I have, why do I still have um, these impure passion, you know, impurity and passion and evil desires and sexual immorality and covetousness and all this? Of, what's going on there? You know, um, why do I have to put them off? Did something not work? No, it just goes to show us position of the evil present right. age and that new age that you were talking about, right? Yeah. We're stuck in this in this right. middle section here where right. in a sense, in a spiritual sense, the new age has come, right? right? We've been renewed, but as we were talking about before, our flesh has been left in the dust, so to speak, right? Well, yeah, and, and so what? In, in one sense, I would say that in this in-between time, and we still have this bias, I still have the memories of all those, of, of that former life, right? I still have the habits and the practices and things are there. So I still know what it's like, you know, to, you know, when I was 16 years old and I'm walking down the street and I see a bunch of pretty girls walk by and my mind immediately wants to go places it shouldn't go, right? right? And, 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 and when I, and even though at the time I say I was a Christian, I didn't discipline myself I didn't. I didn't do the good job of training myself not to go down that road, and so what happened? I developed habits of that in my thought life, you know, and, and as I aged and all those things, and so that can even happen post that, but but especially before. But you, we have to put that off because otherwise the remnants of it are still there. I think I've used here on the podcast before the analogy of the bankrupt corporation, right? right. So if you learned how to manage. If you were managing your business in such a way that you were putting it deeper and deeper in debt, those practices that you were trying to do that were fruitless, even though you've declared bankruptcy and started a new business, you still know how to do all the wrong things. And you might still be prone to want to practice them, right? But we have to learn a new way, right? right? And that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, put off these things, put on these. And so in the Christian life, when... I am tempted to practice those old things. He's saying, no, put them to death. And how can we put them to death? Because Christ has already put them to death. Right. Right? And so we now have the power to do that. And so what's the motivation that he gives us in verse 6, you know, to do that? What's, as we're reminded that we put it to death, he's also telling us why. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The so, wrath of God is coming. Right. So judgment, you know, judgment is coming if you're right. If you're left in those things, right. And again, that's not that if we sin after we've been mm-hmm. saved, but for those who are still, you know, so consider the the spiritual idea 
of just being clothed in filthy rags that are torn and shredded, right? right? And somebody comes along and they give you a brand new outfit right. that's just glistening and you're good to go. I mean, are you really going to start wanting to go back to the filthy, <laughs> filthy rags? Just what, were they more comfortable? No, you know? And so that but you, concept but you know, of- I, But I, you know, still, I have this, you know, I still have a couple like 30 year old t-shirts. <laughs> You know, from my college days that I've just been hanging on to. I mean, my wife just wants me to throw them away, you know. And I'm like, oh, but they, they're just, I have this attachment to them, you know. Uh, and, and, but it's, why do we have that attachment? Well, it's, it's wrong thinking, right? right? It's, 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 we, have to, we have to put on the new, you know. And we have to be willing to let that stuff go. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's why. Well, you were my analogy, so I I'll leave it there. Well, no, but no, you're right. I mean, if when our mind is right, right, right. when our mind is right, it's exactly what you're saying. Right. But the problem is, there's I still have these unhealthy attachments to the wrong. Right, things. it's the battle between our renewed spirit and our flesh that remains. Yeah, and that's and that's the right. thing. But we, as God's children, we love Him and we love Christ. And this battle just doesn't make any sense to us, even to this day. I mean, it's just, why do we yeah. keep wrestling? But there's there's a sense of that that keeps us entirely dependent upon Christ, right? Because yeah. if we if we think that we've started winning our own battles on our own under our own power, we're right. going to become prideful. Yeah, you know. So he keeps us humble in this life. Yeah, yeah. So and he says in verse seven, "You once walked; you were living this." So it's, it's, it helps us remind us that, yeah. That very thing that I was that way, and I have to have my mind set on something else, on Christ, my my eyes, my mind, my way of life. I have to start walking a different direction. Yeah, a lot and, of these items here in, uh, in verse five seem to be sexually oriented. Yeah, I think so. And a lot of a lot of scholars, commentators would say, you know, definitely that first word in the Greek is 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 very much that way. But even the other ones are. Often, especially when in a list like this, they are related to that. So the, there's various kinds of impurity, but the impurity within this list, they would say it's, it, it very likely is, um, is of a sexual nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, if I just look real quickly at that, um, you know, so like it could be, trans, it could be translated... Um, impurity or unclean it's acatharsian okay which that's what it made me think of the word catharsis oh, right okay. so a, to be cathartic is to is is to um to kind of deal with that impu- deal with impurity to to bring healing but acatharsis would be the the opposite is is you know to to be cathartic is to be cleaned in okay. some way right but acatharsis is to be unclean but it, it often is used in, within the the sexual realm as well, you know, to to not be um, pure sexually, to be unclean in in, in that in, or morally impure, right? Uh, in in that sense too. So uh, if you think about obviously lustful passions, you know, is 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 that way, right? And nothing under well. the sun so, has changed in two thousand years or four thousand years because what's all over television these days? It's right. It's, it, that's all we see right. is sexual impurities right. and stuff like that. And then I find that it's really interesting that on the heels of this, he brings in covetousness, which is idolatry, mm-hmm. and that in itself doesn't sound like it has to do with a sexual relationship, but it does have to do with a relationship as we are called to 
be in covenant right. with God, our creator. And he always treats that covenant like a marriage relationship when he talks about things, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. And I even wonder sometimes is, is, is that, and I, again, I, I haven't looked at the Greek or my, my Greek grammar isn't necessarily good enough to say, is that, is, is the idolatry just related to covetousness or greediness, or is it even related to the whole All, The whole thing, yeah, because it the falls on the heels of it. It probably is, um, yeah. But, but the point at which you're making is, is there's something about, again, think about sin in the sense of giving something, God has given something good to us and we've turned it the wrong direction. So think about our sexuality. It's a good thing. God asked us to be fruitful and multiply, right? So sexual union between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship is viewed as a wonderful thing. But when we cross boundaries, when we cross barriers that God did not establish, right, um, then that becomes a a bad thing, um, an evil thing. It actually brings brings evil into God's created order. Uh, And so— which, if you think about idolatry, is doing the same thing, exactly, right? Yeah. Idolatry is is setting something up as as God that it should not be. It's taking our attention off of God and focusing. It's really right. worship when when we're doing these things, right? Yes. I, I let's just say if people like to get drunk all the time, you right. know, you know that's sometimes a very tough battle for people to come right. out of um, when they're born again. But that can become just like money, you know, right. a form of this is this is your passion now, you know, yeah. and so. Absolutely, to to put on Christ is to get rid of those old things which take away our worship from God. Yeah, and so I think it's to covet, to lust for something in particular that's not yours, right? Um, that even like greediness in, in that sense is a reflection of that idolatry, right? That's why the wrath of God is coming. All this to say, you know, um, a lot of times, so why why is God so strict about sex or these things. And um, it's because if you look back at the fruit of what that produces, that 99.9% of the time, you know, um, it, it's, uh, it's going to reveal itself in, in all kind of, of family disorder, of societal disorder, unwanted children, unwanted um, uh uh, relational tension when when the wife finds out what the husband did, right. you know, even even if it was stuff that happened before the marriage, right? Yeah, right. You find out uh, about a relationship that, and, and then uh, immediately jealousy starts coming in, or distrust starts coming in. All these things which which lead to um, to problems right. that we think that often people can think, oh, I'm mature enough to be able to handle that, right? Right. Well, just as just as your example in a marriage that. Uh, an outside relationship creates conflict and it, it, it does, it destroys, right. it destroys that relationship. Right. right? And it, it's the same thing with, with God here in our relationship. Right. With and, him. and that's where so much of it is based right. on trust. You go back to covenant relationships that we're to have with God to begin with. It's all, it's all leads into trust, which trust is related to faith and faithfulness and loyalty and allegiance mm-hmm. and all those things that ultimately is what our relationship to God is supposed right. to be about. Right. So, um, so moving on then to this list in verse eight, we have uh, um, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. A lot of these do seem to be related to the use of the tongue. Um, uh, so, not just the obscene talk and slander, but either how do we often first manis- manifest our anger, wrath, and malice? 
often you're going to, it's going to come out of our tongue before we strike someone or before we start doing something physical um, against someone. Often we start speaking against them and that's what brings disunity among people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we see that uh, this rebellion against God, it doesn't just manifest itself in, in, in taking, you know, these lustful passions, but then it starts showing itself in these other emotions too. How important is it in relationship building is communication, right? It's one of those, it's one of those foundational things, you know, to have a good relationship, you communicate well, right? Right. And God made us communicate beings that communicate who are able to, to say so many things. And, and, and that was initially established to be a good thing. Right. Right. And here all these things take this good gift God gave us to be able to speak and communicate and and be creative in all, in all of our description of ideas and, and love that we show in deed, but also in with in, in verbally. Right. And these and here these things are all just bringing again division uh, through that anger, mm-hmm. wrath, malice is, is that. And then ultimately in verse 9 is when we lie to one another is the ultimate breaking of trust when it comes to uh, that communication um, ability and gift in in relationships, right? Right. So again, there we have it. Put off your old self with its practices and put on the new self. So you're putting off, you're putting on. We've described the old self. What's the new self? We Now, he's talked about the new self in earlier, you know, so we, we can go back to earlier in Colossians. How is the new self described? Um, the new self described has been set free to the transfer of allegiance from the old domain of darkness to the new domain, reconcile his body of flesh in order to present ourselves holy and blameless. So the new self is holy and blameless. And that renewing of the mind. So we don't see our, we should no longer look at ourselves as full of these, uh, these bad things. Now we recognize they're still there. We're not saying we, I'm free of these things. We're to put them off. But our identity is to be the new man, the holy, blameless one, the one who is forgiven, the one whose record of debt is no longer being held against them. Right. right? And I see um, an interesting thing here in verse 10 that's popping out at me about the new man who is renewed in knowledge yes. according to the image of him who created him. Well, what is that knowledge? I, that that knowledge means I have to be learning something. It's not, mm-hmm. it just doesn't come to me. You know, right by exactly. osmosis. Right. That's why in verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and as a community of people who aren't fighting with one another. So this section totally parallels Romans 12, like you were reading. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. And it, it um, and so. Or that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Romans 12 and, and some other passages. Think about Galatians 5. Yeah. Right. So Romans 8 as well, life in the spirit. Romans eight and then twelve with the renewing of the mind. Galatians five, you have the you have the the list of the of of the the flesh, but then you have the fruit of the spirit um, as well. Uh, so so yeah, so that's exactly what it's doing. But it's interesting that how do we do this? Verse sixteen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, mm-hmm. and it's a community thing. It's not just it's not just me and my Bible, although we need that. But I also he says teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. So we need a we need a unified community that's not slandering each other, that's not lying to each other, right? But who are rather t- teaching each other what it means to walk with Christ. So we're putting on the new self, 
as you said, it's being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Why? Because that's where we were originally created in the image of God, right? So we're being rid of that knowledge here. And, and with the, that, what we have here, he says, is what are the things that divide the people in verse 11? Um, here it's, well, well, I'm a Greek, but I'm a Jew, right? And so they see division. Um, well, I'm circumcised, you're uncircumcised, way of saying the same thing, right? right? But then you have barbarians. Well, Greeks consider anybody who wasn't Greek or Rome, or, or, or if you weren't a citizen of Rome or, or, or in that Greek you know, mentality, they're all barbarians. So anybody outside of them are, are barbarians, just as a Jew would consider the uncircumcised that way, you know, too. Mm-hmm. Scythian, same, same idea there. Slave or free. But he's saying Christ is all in all. Well, where have we heard that Christ is all and in all before? Back in chapter one, Back, right? That's what I was. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Verses fifteen to twenty. So, right. So here, um, so real quick, does this mean that we shouldn't we shouldn't make um, any distinctions at all in in as Christians that that there is there is no um, that we should we should all there should be complete uniformity. In, in the body of Christ. Is that what he's saying here? Well, you're saying just within the body of Christ, within the body of believers? Yeah. Here, so, so put on the new self, renew the knowledge of the creator. Here, there is not. Right? So I'm, I'm saying the here, that's in the new man. Correct. In the new man, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess what I'm, what I'm driving at here is, Unity does not necessarily mean uniformity, right? So what Paul is saying here, he's not saying that, you know, we don't have different races. He's not saying we don't have different classes of people, um, you know, because that, that reality still exists, right? It's nothing necessarily to be ashamed of. We, we, we don't use those things against each other anymore. Mm-hmm. We have unity. So, so if you're a slave and I'm... And I'm a, um, a, a Roman citizen, yeah, whatever, yeah. right? We're one in Christ. It doesn't mean that those things get obliterated in the sense that that reality isn't there, but they're not cause for division in, in the body of Christ, right? right? So there's unity, even though there isn't necessarily uniformity. It's not like, um, I don't think what Paul is saying here, okay, we have to go to a complete, we have to try to abolish. We have to go to the Roman government and try to abolish all these things and and put everyone on equal playing ground, uh, playing field. Right. You know, from the worldly perspective. Now, could that be a good thing? That would be great. It's just I don't know. That's realistic in the in the present age, <laughs> right. right? But within the body of Christ, within the spiritual under the spiritual rule of the headship of Christ, those distinctions don't matter. So then, verse twelve. What do we put on? In contrast, if we're going to live this way, if we're going to live as one who's put on the new man, if, if, if we're living in, in a body, in a community of people who have unity, what's that look like? And, and, and so as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, so again, all these things, if, if we see these commands, these imperatives to don't do or to do, to do, they're all theologically grounded and rooted. Right, right. Yep. Paul is not moralizing here, right? He's not just saying be good and do good. He's saying because of Christ, because of this 
switch an allegiance because of the, your faith in him, because of his work, because God is the one who's, who's calls you holy and beloved. Because the status is achieved in Christ and our faith is in him, now put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. Now bear with one another. Right. And if anyone has a complaint against you, forgive each other as the Lord forgiving you. Right. right. Well, it's interesting, you know, when I was a kid, and if I was causing trouble, let's just say I threw a rock through a neighbor's window, right. you know, and I was in trouble, my dad would get mad because I'm betraying his good name. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> and so that was as I was a child of, of my father, right? But in yes. the spiritual realm, same thing is true. Right. We're betraying our father's name that we're to bear, right? Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. It goes back to the third commandment. It goes back to all the 10 commandments in some sense. You say it's all, they, God set them apart. He made them a holy people. And it's because you're now, they were now his, they were his inheritance. God chose um, Jacob in his allotment. He chose the, the, their mine. And because you're mine, you're going to be a blessing to the nations, but only when you bear my name the right way, when you live as you should, when you live this different life that shows my goodness. Um, yeah, and, and so now as Christians, it's the same thing. We are holy. We're set apart. We're the beloved of God now. Mm-hmm. We're chosen. And when that we've talked about this, when God brings his election, when he chooses, he does it for a reason, right? That we have a responsibility that comes with that. And so we bear with one another um, and we forgive as Christ has forgiven us, as the Lord has forgiven us. We also forgive. Does that sound like anything Jesus told us to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, verse 14, above all these, put on love. What is, does that make you think of a famous passage? Maybe 1 Corinthians 15? Or thir- 13, 13, 13, yeah. 13, oh, yeah. pastor's been talking about 15 so much. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. In Paul's mind, love is is in one sense is all the fruit of the spirit. In one sense, are are show love. Mm-hmm. You know, now love's listed in that in Galatians, but also when you look at the list of when he describes what love is, those same qualities come out in First Corinthians thirteen, right? Right. And so it's kind of the same thing. You know, the, this kindness, this humility, this meekness, this patience. It says above all else, put on love, and that that love is in Greek is agape. It's that self giving, self sacrificing love. Right. And it also goes to demonstrate the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love our neighbors, right? Yes. And so uh, we can't love our neighbors if we are coveting mm-hmm. their possessions, their wife or spouse or whatever, right. um, just like we can't love God when we're coveting the things of this world. Exactly, right? And so so how is it that our mind is renewed, is transformed? What is what? What's at the center of all this? Who is at the center of all this? Verse sixteen. Mm-hmm. The key, you know, is to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, um, because we were called to one body. That's that unity, right? And to be thankful. That's what pra- Paul prayed for. This, if you remember that back in in chapter one, he prayed that they would be strengthened with all power, and then verse twelve that they would giving thanks to the Father who's qualified them, right, which led to this change in allegiance. And so it's this worship thankfulness that's all centered on Jesus. It's, it's the peace that comes from him that enables us to be able to put on these things. Um, and so Christ is the center um, in, in all of this. And how could we 
forgive those who've wronged us? How could we, um, if someone starts speaking things against us, how can we, how can we let the peace of Christ come into the, enter into discord and disunity? Um, well, the one possible option for me is to focus on in light of what Christ has already forgiven me of. Yes, right. That's that humility. It starts with us recognizing our need for Christ, right? And so, again, it's as Christ has done for you, so do, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the piece of Christ that we speak to one another, that we bring to one another. If we think about why do we practice communion together, right? Um, we do it because it's bringing the peace of God to the community. It's the reconciling work of Jesus um, to us, you know, and, and so often— um, you know, a church practice would be after you would take communion in some church traditions, you would then pass the peace. So you take communion and then you greet one another mm-hmm. afterwards with the peace of Christ. Because why? Because now you have just symbolically and with the sign and symbol of of that, you've acknowledged that I'm at peace with God. And now because of I'm at peace with God, I can offer the peace of Christ yeah. to another person. And that's a very cultural thing that might be popping in here because during the time of Christ mm-hmm. and Paul here right. um, was the time of Roman rule. Yeah. And it's Pax Romano. Yes. Right. So yeah. you have, which is the peace of Rome. And right. there's a there's a new level here. Yeah, that's right. And it, it, it goes back to that change of allegiance, right? Because that's because Caesar, when he would win a battle, he would come and proclaim that he's Lord. Right. Right. And he would proclaim he's brought peace. Right. It's Romans. In 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 contrast to that, Paul saying no, the peace is found in Christ alone. And so therefore, let let's close. We've already mentioned this a little bit already, but this is something that you know, dear in near and dear to yours and my hearts and to this podcast, right? The planted podcast. We, we talk about that it's, it's being tra- having our minds tra- transformed with the, to follow Christ, but, and, and we do that by focusing on his word. And so verse 16, we've talked about let the word of Christ dwell in us. And then verse 17, whatever you do in word or in deed, right? And those words and deeds are rooted in the word of God, mm-hmm. right? Because we're doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, Father through him. So with that in mind, let's let's look at this teaching admonishing one another. What's one of your favorite verses in the whole Bible that talks about what the word of God is useful for? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so 2 Timothy 3:16. Yeah. Yeah, and so what so how does this verse parallel that verse? The scriptures being inspired by God, mm-hmm. right, which means that all scripture, this is Old Testament and New right. Testament, is breathed out by God, right? right? And it's useful for these things to, right. t- to teach, to rebuke, for right. correction, instruction, and righteousness for yeah. who? For the man of God, right. the person of God, that we might be complete, right. thoroughly equipped for every good work, is how that reads in the New yeah. King James, right? As I yeah. It is. So that's that's what you so the word of Christ, it's breathed out by God. It is the word of Christ, you know, to us. And he wants it to just soak into us. We've talked about that in the in season one with with just the meditating on the scriptures of being planted by streams of water, right? That's that's that dwelling in the word of God, in, in, in the hope of Christ that is given to us there. And so as we do that, we do this in community. That's one of the things that favorite things about doing this podcast is I get to do it with my brother Thad, right? <laughs> we get to dwell in it together and, and discuss it, meditate on it. And as we do, 
we're, we're seeking the wisdom of God. Um, the, it goes back to the garden of, of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? You can seek it in your own eyes, or you, if you seek the tree of life, you're, you're seeking God for his wisdom. We're letting him tell us what is good and bad, right? And as we understand what's good and bad, and we speak it to one another, not only do we speak it to one another, we sing it to one another, right? So he says, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness our hearts to God. Why do we sing in a worship service on a Sunday morning? We're doing it to admonish one another. Right. We're, we're singing wisdom. We're singing the gospel to one another. And, you know, in different cultures and, and, and different people have different practices and so forth. But, it, you know, in different styles of worship, I don't want to get into styles of worship of hymns versus choruses and all that kind of stuff. But the point is, no matter how you're singing or what you're singing, in, in terms of whether it be a hymn or a chorus, or you're using rock music, or you're using an organ, or you're using jazz or Latin music, it doesn't matter. The point is, it should have some very specific content to it, right? Right. And and if we're if we're being moved just in our emotion when we sing, and our mind is not being engaged, I think we need to be asking ourselves, what what am I doing? Am I just coming to worship to get a to come to get a spiritual high? If I'm speaking a spiritual high and I'm not focusing on the word of Christ as I sing, right? And as as um, and if I'm not being, if if the if the music itself isn't teaching and admonishing me, the words of the music and, and even the combination of the the way the music brings out the, the those words, and and if I'm not engaged in my mind and my heart spiritually as that, and I'm just I just love the tune and I feel good. Right. I don't know. I, I I don't want to go so far as say that's not worship, but, well, but it seems to be yeah. that we're being encouraged and admonished to engage in worship in a deep way. Right. Well, think about the whole concept here that we're dealing with uh, as we sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you sing? You have to ex- expire your breath. Right? Yeah. You have to sing out. Yes. Well, the the word for inspiration in second timothy is actually expiration <laughs> right so as god breathes into us mm-hmm. through his word it's like he's given us like mouth to mouth resuscitation of new yes. life as we're right. renewed by the changing of our mind that's that's right. a that's a, a life that grows and so right. as you mentioned in singing and all the things that we right. do we should be glorifying God and, and giving Him praise right. in all of our actions. It's the same type of thing, whether it's an action or actually speaking the words right. in the name of Christ. It's it's sharing. It is, that. and that's why and, it's so cool yeah. that verse seventeen follows sixteen, right? right. So it says, "Yes, let the word Christ dwell in you richly." So that's why we have the word preached to us. That's why we sing these things. But then also, verse seventeen: Whatever you do, word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God, Father, through him. So all of life is to Mm. be worshipped. So you don't just come to a service to worship, but when you leave that service, you leave in word and deed, worshipping him, giving thanks to him through all of life. No matter if you're speaking or just acting in your life, you're doing it giving thanks to God. Right, right. And as you grow in maturity uh, with Christ, you'll start to realize that as things happen in your life that aren't necessarily good, yeah. right? That you can be in a state of worship and thanksgiving yeah. during the midst of that storm, which is right. which is totally against my fleshy character. Right. You know, I want to lash out, but I'm real because I'm in union with Christ and I can be in fellowship with Him immediately at that moment. I'm like, He's got this, right? You know, and so to be in that mindset as as right, as a, yeah, it's a, just a great thing. It is, and that that's that's why. That the word of Christ has to 
abide in us, dwell in us, right? Because it helps us when we when we in, are encountering people who are um, acting in this old manner, right, that we discussed, um, and I want to participate with them, or I want to respond and react in an, in another way. When the word of Christ is is in me, and I understand the gospel, and I'm preaching the gospel to myself all the time, and I'm recognizing my estate apart from Christ, um, what it would be apart from Christ, but what it now is in Christ, and I'm united with him, seated in the heavenly realms with him, I'm able and empowered by his spirit to respond differently. And I, as you said, I can be thankful. Mm-hmm. Instead of responding to them, oh, look at that guy. Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like them anymore. Not in the way of the Pharisee right, in the parable, right, 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 right? Of puffing myself up, but in humility saying, Lord, I'm thankful that you died for me. Right. I'm well, thankful that I have a new life. I heard now. something on a radio show a preacher was on, and it's, it has to have been well over 20 years ago, but I'm thankful for it. I don't, I don't know the guy, so I don't even know if I liked him, but what he said, I liked. <laughs> and he said, whenever you come across something, he said, just kind of picture it like maybe a billboard. Maybe a yeah. billboard's got something um, sexy on it, something that was yeah. scantily dressed. Right. Get your eyes off it as quick as possible and think of Christ. Yeah. And I've ran that through practice and I'm mm-hmm. far from perfect in how I operate right. my life. But right. in all those times that I've consciously made the decision to right. look up and give thanks and just turn my eyes upon him, it helps with dwelling on that temptation right. or carrying it through in the lustful thoughts or or whatever it might be. But to get your eyes as quickly as you can focused back right. on, our, on our Lord. Yeah. And it's not meriting anything, but what no. it is, is it's producing, it's, it's producing that holiness within us because what we're doing is we're actually exercising our spiritual muscles you might say, <laughs> it is, yeah. right and it, it's kind of like you know I was a basketball player growing up and even like today I haven't shot a basketball probably in a month or so you know but I could probably go out and within a few shots I'm, I can be consistently making thing making baskets again um, why? Because I trained myself in godliness. I mean, in, in basketballness, right? If we, do, if we train ourselves in godliness like that, when you're doing that, you are you are establishing those new patterns of life. Why? By faith. If you're just doing it in in the religion of Thad or trying to be the good guy, you know, it, it can produce something. But, but when you're doing it in faith and you're, you're saying, it's because of my faith in Christ that I'm taking my mind off that, and that, that, that I believe that spiritual fruit grows. And over time, that's part of what it means to grow in our walk, to mature in Christ, to that he's completing the work that he started in you as we participate with him and we strive with him, right? In humility and reverence, we say, that's of no value to me anymore, right? Christ is my value. I right. take my and as I'm doing that, I'm building that spiritual muscle memory, right? <laughs> You're right. a golfer, right? You know, the more you you spend time, you know, practicing that that bunker shot or whatever, right? That muscle memory is there. It happens. You know, you get better at it. And I think it's it's the, the principle holds true um, by faith. And, and knowing that we have a power greater than ourselves. Golf with might us. be a perfect analogy because you cannot perfect it. <laughs> yeah, you can get right. better, but you're always going to fall short of perfection, right? Right. And so, so that's you what you're doing. can't be too prideful. Right. And, and, and I think that, but that, that's what you're doing. That example of the billboard right. is a great example. And so that's not Thad trying no. to religiously merit something before no. God, it's, it's Thad exercising faith, right? And then that's what we're, I think that's what he's saying here. Put to death, therefore, Put off this, put 
put on this. This is an exercise of faith. Why? Because Christ is our all in all. Right. It's the peace of Christ that's dwelling in us. It's the word of Christ dwelling in us. And it's our thankfulness to the Lord Jesus mm. that we're expressing back to God the Father because he's the one who's declared us righteous because of the work right. of Christ. And we have to grow in it. It says grow in grace and knowledge. So yeah. again, you have to stay in the yeah. word. So be encouraged. Open up the Bible and and read some good text because it's there for our yeah. instruction. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, we actually made it through all those verses today. So we'll finish off chapter three and maybe even delve a little bit into chapter four next week as we apply these very principles to the Christian household. So how do we apply the putting off and the putting on in the context of a Christian household? We'll look at that next week. Sounds great. See you then. Have a good day, everybody. Next time, join us as we take further instruction in applying our calling to interaction with people in our lives. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.